If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. to you. It is Tuesday, August 31st, 2021. I'm Gail King. That's Vladimir Dutier. That's Tony DeCopel. We welcome you to CBS this morning. There is a lot happening today, including the end of an historic chapter for the U.S. overseas. The war in Afghanistan, it's the longest war in American history, has finally come to an end. We'll have more on what's being done for the American citizens still in the country, but we begin with the deadly aftermath of Hurricane Ida. Among the most powerful ever to hit the United States. More than a million people are without power this morning in Louisiana and Mississippi, and we're only just beginning to learn the extent of the damage. Our lead national correspondent, David Begno, is in Hammond, Louisiana, northwest of New Orleans. David, good morning. Good morning. The damage is just widespread across southeastern Louisiana. And when you look at something like this, you think, wow, if there'd have been people in that vehicle, they'd be dead this morning. Here in Louisiana, two storm-related deaths have already been reported. And we've gotten word that one Louisiana man is missing after apparently being attacked by an alligator in floodwater. Here's what we've been told. The man who lives in a raised home in the Slidell area inside of a wildlife refuge, and there's marsh around it. The floodwater had come in. The man went downstairs to his shed to get something. His wife heard a commotion. She looked down, and the wife told investigators, I saw him being attacked by the alligator, which reportedly ripped the man's arm off. Now, the wife couldn't call 911 because the service was out. So she got in a boat, a P-Rogue, as we know it around here in Louisiana. She flagged down help, and when they came with help, the man's body was gone. This morning, we're going to start with a coastal view of the Louisiana area around Grand Isle. This is what Hurricane Ida did to the coastal community of Grand Isle, Louisiana, shredding rooftops and scattering debris everywhere. On Monday, Coast Guard aircraft circled the island looking for survivors as first responders across Louisiana did the same thing, reaching those still trapped in the hurricane's aftermath. We're still in a search and rescue mode. We're, we're not recovering yet. We're still responding and trying to save lives. In Laplace, Louisiana, rescue crews went door to door, searching for families stranded by the floodwater. Some took refuge on the second floor or in their attics. The ceiling and every room caved in, and it was, it was unbelievable. Four feet of water just came rushing in. Storm surge swallowed this neighborhood in Plaquemines Parish after the nearby levee failed. There was cell phone video that captured the evacuation efforts at a Louisiana hospital on Monday. Acadian ambulance prepared to transfer about 100 patients from a damaged facility. You can see the inside of one of the transfer vehicles here. There were people stacked three rows high all the way to the back of the trailer. 
More than 25,000 linemen are out across the state racing to restore power. Drone video shows this toppled transmission tower blown over by Ida on Sunday. Its power lines are now laying across the Mississippi River. I can't tell you when the power is going to be restored. I can't tell you when all the debris is going to be cleaned up and repairs made and so forth. But what I can tell you is we're going to work hard every single day to deliver as much assistance as we possibly can. But how do you tell people they have to wait when they need help now? Like 70-year-old Theophilus Charles. Everything in here is messed up. Ida ripped his home apart, one he says was built by his grandmother. And now he has nowhere to go. I could stay in you know, and ride this one out, but I couldn't, you know. They just start falling apart, blowing away on me. I ain't got a dry spot in the house. Right now, I got nothing. Not a dry spot in the house, he says. You know, after Katrina in 2005, when the levy system failed, the billions in taxpayer dollars were spent to build up and build back the levy system. This was the first big test of that system, and it passed. But there was an epic failure of the power grid. You heard the Louisiana governor talk about it, and folks here have already been warned, this is going to be a marathon to get your power back on, not a sprint. Tony. David Begnell with the grim pictures out of Louisiana this morning. David, thank you very much. And let's stay in Louisiana to Maria Villarreal, who is in hard-hit Homa, Louisiana, near where Hurricane Ida made landfall. Maria, National Guard troops are helping with search and rescue, and crews are working to clear the roads. What are the people there telling you? We may not have Maria. So here's what's going on here. This is what people are telling us. It doesn't matter what part of Homa you live in, everything looks the same. This used to be a Save-A-Lot grocery store. The roof has come down, the windows are shattered, there is debris everywhere. The destruction all looks the same here, right? But the one thing we can tell you is that people are trying to pick up the pieces. There is a curfew in place. It starts at sunset and it ends at sunrise. That's to keep people off of the roadways. It's also to keep businesses like this safe from potential looters. All over Homa, Louisiana this morning, residents are picking up the pieces of Hurricane Ida. Frank Marshall has lived in his trailer for 21 years. Cherish your family. It's, uh, it's good to have family. We'll make it, though. I know somebody will be there to give me a hand. So, excuse me, guys. God bless y'all. Celebrity chef Jose Andres and the World Central Kitchen offered people without homes here and in New Orleans a little home cooking. We're doing thousands of meals today between hot sandwiches and, and uh, uh, hot meals and sandwiches. We ran into Joe Teddy Emard, who we first met as Ida barrel through the city Sunday night. Ferocity, tenacity, uh, it was bad. I've been in a lot of hurricanes, complete uh, uh, wreckage and carnage, man. Every uh, building, every structure uh, had damage. Roof damage, trees falling on it, power lines down, roofs missing, uh, no water. Everything else is destroyed. Everything's gone except my camp. Despite the devastation, there's still a sense of gratefulness for the homes that were spared. Uh, Everything is gone except your camper. How is that possible? 
Power God, this right here too, this. Emard grew up near Homa and says Ida is no match for his love of Louisiana. There are more storms that are going to come eventually. At what point do you decide, I, I can't live here anymore? Never. You want to see America and humanity? Look at this place. Here's the thing, everybody is in the same boat here. To give you an idea of what it takes to actually get this report on, for example, there is no electricity here. There is no power, right? No cell service here, no running water. So just to get this report on, we have one satellite truck and one satellite phone. So we are definitely going old school just to bring you what is happening here in these communities. But the good news is, is that when we were leaving our hotel this morning that has no power, no lighter, no running water, we did see dozens of utility trucks that were parked at the Civic Center. These guys are telling us as soon as the sun rises, they are heading out and they're going to start working on some of those power lines to try and get people back up and running as soon as possible. Vlad. And get them that much needed relief. Medea, thank you very much. For more on the path of the storm, we're joined by CBS News meteorologist and climate specialist Jeff Baradelli. Jeff, good morning. Hey, good morning, Vlad. Good morning, everybody. So the good news is the wind is winding down, but the bad news, the rain threat is winding up. In fact, take a look at the flash flood watches. Go all the way from the Gulf Coast straight to Cape Cod. 80 million Americans covered under that. The heaviest rain right now is located across the southeast where the storm core is up to around Nashville. This is headed quickly to the northeast. And as it moves northeast tomorrow, watch out for a tornado threat from Washington, D.C. south and north of that. It's extremely heavy rain straight through Tuesday afternoon. Excessive rainfall outlooks in the, um, especially in the Appalachians today, then the middle Atlantic and northeast tomorrow, as much as eight inches plus of rain. We have a serious flash flood threat likely as we head into tomorrow and Thursday. Gail? All right, Jeff, your weather map looks a little quieter today. That's good. Thank you, sir. This picture of the commanding general, the legendary 82nd Airborne Division, will go down in history. He was the last American to leave Afghanistan's main airport yesterday, ending the U.S. military mission that began after 9-11. This morning, the Taliban control that airport and the fate of dozens of American citizens still in Afghanistan is uncertain. Charlie Daggett is in Qatar, the new home of the U.S. Embassy that was forced to evacuate. Good morning. Well, this is the U.S. Air Base where the last mass evacuation flights landed. Also, some of the last American troops to arrive late last night, pretty much leaving at the stroke of midnight in Kabul, handing the country back to an enemy they spent 20 years fighting. Defensive flares lit up the sky as some of the last American C-17s flew out of Kabul for good. Moments later, the nighttime fireworks display came from tracer fire as celebratory Taliban gunfire rang out across the capital. The last American soldier to leave, Major General Christopher Donahue. By morning light, the Taliban made clear the country was under new management, strolling through the airport, posing with some of the disabled military equipment left behind. The flights have stopped, stranding an unknown number of Afghans who wanted to flee Taliban rule. Some of those lucky enough to escape wound up here at the Aludeid Air Base in Doha. In two weeks, hangars were transformed into holding areas for 55,000 Afghan refugees. If you make every country journey, we will go here. It doesn't matter what country you go to, yes. you just need to go. Yes. 
America's longest war came to an end with a chaotic, calamitous, mass evacuation and a suicide bombing from ISIS-K that cost the lives of 13 U.S. service members and 170 Afghan citizens. Remaining Americans and Afghans holding special visas will either have to pack buses for the border, wait for the airport to reopen, or hunker down. They have little more left now than hope the Taliban make good on their promise they won't be prevented from leaving. And hope that America still holds any influence over an enemy it was unable to defeat. A new chapter of America's engagement with Afghanistan has begun. The military mission is over. A new diplomatic mission has begun. Physically, that diplomatic mission now moves here. The U.S. Embassy will be operating out of Doha, Qatar. It is a major regional U.S. ally and has also served as a go-between with the Taliban, a role that is only going to become more important in the future. For CBS This Morning, Charlie Daggett, Doha, Qatar. Well, questions remain, and President Biden plans to address the nation later today to talk about the end of the U.S. military mission in Afghanistan. But the State Department is now leading the effort to evacuate remaining Americans, Afghan allies, and foreign nationals who may still be trying to get out of Afghanistan. Weijia Zhang is at the White House with that part of the story. Weijia, good morning to you. Good morning, Tony, and good morning to everybody. This complete withdrawal is a campaign promise fulfilled for President Biden. But, Tony, you are right. He faces questions about leaving some Americans behind after he previously said that troops would stay in Afghanistan if Americans still wanted to get out. Now, he did say in a statement yesterday that he would address his decision not to extend the U.S. military presence beyond today. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the number of Americans who want to evacuate is under 200, likely closer to 100. The administration has vowed to bring them all home. Some Republicans, though, are sharply criticizing the exit. Representative Liz Cheney said, you don't secure America by leaving Americans behind enemy lines, betraying our allies and empowering our enemies. This isn't ending a war. It's losing one. President Biden said the Taliban has made commitments on safe passage at the airport and the world will hold them accountable. We will be listening for a plan for how he plans to ensure that when he delivers remarks this afternoon, because he has also repeatedly said he does not trust the Taliban. Gail? That seems to be the sentiment. It sure is hard to see the Taliban walking around with American weapons and American equipment and American uniforms. That's tough to watch. Thank you, Weisha, very much. Northern California's fierce at wild fiercest wildfire, rather, is getting closer to Lake Tahoe, threatening thousands of homes around that popular tourist destination. The Caldor fire is still mostly out of control. Roads leading out of the area near the Nevada border were jam-packed yesterday with cars just trying to get out of there. Ann Makovic of our San Francisco station, KPIX, has more from near South Lake Tahoe. The fast-moving Caldor fire raced toward the popular resort town of South Lake Tahoe Monday. Last night, massive flames were seen on a highway about five miles from town. The wind-whipped fire exploded in size over the past two days, destroying several homes and part of a ski resort popular during Tahoe's winter season. Crews used snowmaking equipment to try to fight the flames. Due to the smoke conditions, we're not able to fly aircraft. It's limited our ability to bring all of our tools to the fight. 
Those forced to evacuate on Monday faced bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic, with many roadways closed because of the fire. Mel Smothers played his violin to pass the time, and Sarah Ellis had little time to hit the road. We have to leave most of our belongings behind and just take the important stuff. The town's main medical facility also proactively evacuated more than four dozen patients. The fire reaching Tahoe would be potentially catastrophic, on par with the destruction seen in the town of Paradise in 2018. Tahoe exists in a very high fire hazard severity zone, meaning it is especially vulnerable to wildfires. Officials say the drought coupled with climate change are changing the very vocabulary of California's wildfires. Historically, we've used the terms such as anomaly, unprecedented or extreme. These terms are no longer appropriate. And one reason South Lake Tahoe is so vulnerable to fires is because just a few blocks from the glitz and glamour of the casinos here at State Line is these tiny little neighborhoods that have older homes and log cabins that would just go up like a matchstick if this fire does reach town. Also, the U.S. Forestry Service has closed all U.S. forests in California because of the high fire danger. Back to you. All right, Anne, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the CBS This Morning podcast. Be sure to subscribe to get daily podcast originals. You can watch the CBS This Morning broadcast Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on your local CBS station or live on the CBS All Access app. I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.